Hello and welcome to the Clashing Identidades podcast, a brand new podcast between two uh, Mexican-born New Yorkers, uh, just giving us ourselves an opportunity to discuss, to debate um, what it is to be um, Mexican, what it is to be a New Yorker, and the warring identities uh, that come up from time to time. Uh, first, let's do a couple of brief introductions. Uh, my name is Raz Guevara. I am, uh, you know, I used to be uh, my co-host's high school teacher, as a matter of fact. Um, I yeah. am a video producer by trade. I work for uh, Yahoo Entertainment and Life Brands. Um, and my co-host, Eduardo Solis, will tell you a little bit about himself now. Hey, Roz, you know, it's been a while since I've seen you. Thank you for that introduction. Um, you yes. know, you know me from high school. my teacher, one of the worst <laughs> teachers I've ever had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> one of the best ones, actually, you know, that's why we're here. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, right now I'm working at VaynerMedia as a media analyst. I landed that opportunity um, back in January after being out of work because of COVID for about eight or nine months, maybe. Um, so you could have had a kid in that whole time and I didn't speak to you. <laughs> um, but, you know, here we are. I'm really excited about this podcast. You know, I, I don't think I've spoken too much about these things with you. So I'm really right. excited to see, you know, your experience, my experience and see like how we turned out so, so great or so awful. I don't know. Right. Well, that's still to be determined. Um, <laughs> we have a long way to go. But yes, I'm glad you mentioned COVID and the pandemic because um, it is a great, it's the reason why we we are essentially starting this podcast. We, we, we have an ongoing relationship for a number of years. Um, even after you graduated, I would always check in on you. You would always check in on me. Um, and it never extended past the social media interactions. Exactly, Cardinal Hayes. Um, it never extended past those social media interactions um, till, you know, we, we, you know, we communicated via text. We got on the phone a couple of times. And then I think you brought up the idea of like, hey, man, let's let's do a podcast. I, I have a couple of other podcasts that I work on. Um, none as talent. I'm you strictly a executive producer, a content idea guy. Um, but you're right. Like um, a lot of the stuff that you and I discuss um, could be beneficial to other people could be beneficial to other people who might be in similar circumstances. Um, the Mexican community in New York um, is growing rapidly. Um, when I, and I guess I'll, I'll preface this by saying like when I was growing up in New York, um, there were not a lot of Mexican people in New York. Okay, I went to, I arrived here in 1990. Um, I was six years old and I came with my mom and my sister. And um, there was not a lot of not a lot of Mexican people outside of my own family. All, all of my mom's friends, all of my grandmother's friends, um, were Puerto Rican, Dominican, different different um, Hispanic backgrounds. Um, but there was never a sense of like a community outside of my family, right? Um, I remember growing up and like I've always gravitated towards sports. It's kind of why I started a career in sports. I would always like try to figure out if any of the Latinos that were on the on the Yankees or or any other team that I followed were Mexican. I would like, oh look at oh I wonder if this guy's Mexican. Oh I wonder if that guy's Mexican. Oh if he's Mexican I'm gonna root for him. You know what I'm saying? Like always looking for that connection, looking for that sense of community that I never had outside of my own family. What about you? What was your what was your experience growing up? Um, I mean, now that you mentioned sports, I'm thinking back to 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 Hayes. Um, you know, when I first started my freshman year, I was a soccer guy, right? I wanted to play soccer. I had never played soccer in my life, like on a team, like obviously, you know, playing pickup and stuff like that, but I never really played for a team. So when high school came, 
I wanted to play soccer, but at the same time, like you said, I didn't have a lot of Mexican friends outside, maybe like one or two people from like middle school. So mm-hmm. I was more like hanging out with the guys who played basketball, played football, all that type of stuff. Um, I did not like baseball. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, it's OK. You know, obviously, <laughs> not tall enough to play basketball. I was yeah. like, you know, let me get football a try. You know, I liked it. I, I had fun. So my freshman year, I actually played on the JV football team. Um, it was it was an experience. It was pretty cool, um, but it was a struggle too because I didn't know anyone on the JV team. All my friends were on the freshman team, and like I really had no connection with these guys. So it was mm-hmm. tough. Um, and I chose to play football because, like you said, you know I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be like that. That you know, like oh, you know, Mexicans only play soccer, right? Um, which is like definitely not true because of over my you know years here, I guess in New York, I've played with. A bunch of different nationalities I think I've had maybe like one Mexican teammate you know um, outside <laughs> of high school but right. you know I didn't want to fit into that stereotype so I was like you know what let me play football and I think I kind of like um stopped myself from enjoying what I wanted to do just to like right. fit in or like you know not be I guess not bullied but I didn't want to be like you know no it's, it's stereotype. yeah it's that it's that you didn't want to be the other right yeah you exactly. didn't want to be different you didn't you and i and i went through the same thing like i um growing up i had that feeling of otherness right like i was not like other people and it's something that's prevalent to a lot of immigrant people who come to this country and the like the rush to assimilate is so great simply to try to eliminate that feeling of being the other the otherness um, and, you're, and for those of you who don't know, Cardinal Hayes is the school that I used to work at. I worked there for three years. That's where I met Eduardo. Um, Cardinal Hayes is a, like a great uh, Catholic school in the Bronx in the Grand Concourse area. Um, it is in, like to this day, it's one of my, my favorite job that I've ever worked at. It was um, like the comings and goings and the everyday kind of like political kind of sense of the school were not the best, but the relationships that I made there particularly with the students, not even other teachers. It's like the students, the, the people that I met there, met there are some of the most remarkable kids that now men that I've ever met in my entire life. Like such, so pleasant, so hardworking and diligent and Eduardo included, like it was a, it was a magnificent experience. And once my career um, is coming down to a close, I would love to go back to teaching because I, I feel like I enjoyed that job more than any other job just the endless possibilities, just like teaching you guys and talking to you guys about anything and kind of just having an impact that could potentially, you know, have a, have a, you know, a positive impact on your future is, is what I truly, truly enjoyed the most. But to get back to your point about like, like not wanting to be stereotyped or not wanting to be, you know, like boxed in, um, it, it's, it's something that a lot of communities go through, right? It's, it's something that a lot of people, um, it's different when you have a sense of community built in. Some, some of the other populations in New York City, for example, like Puerto Ricans, uh, Dominicans, uh, people from other countries, they have a more established um, you know, com- sense of community because they're here in greater numbers, um, sp- particularly when I was growing up, like in the 90s, like there were very few, uh, very few Mexican people, like I mentioned. Um, but as I as I was growing, as I was growing up, that those numbers grew and sw- and I like for example, I know that there's a large Mexican population in Brooklyn, particularly in the Sunset Park area, now in Spanish Harlem, um, which traditionally used to be a Puerto Rican and Italian neighborhood, um, has the numbers of, of of Mexican people has grown 
exponentially over the last two decades. So that now you would consider that a Mexican neighborhood. Um, but yeah, when I was growing up, it was just that feeling of wanting to belong. Um, it's bad enough that you 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 are learning a new language. It's bad enough that you you like I don't know about you, but like we struggled financially. We weren't like it was. My mother was working every single day. I would babysit my little sister. Um, I we lived with my with my grandmother. Like we were all like you know those stereotypes that you hear about how many people live in an apartment and all these different things. Like I was so fiercely protective of that because I was afraid and I was embarrassed that other people would find out that I do live like those common Mexican stereotypes, right? And and that's where, um, and I'm glad you mentioned sports because that's where sports comes in, right? It allowed me an outlet that other people were doing, other people were talking about that did not make me the other, you know? Yes, my friends weren't talking about Las Chivas or soccer, and maybe that is why I never developed the love for the sport that is prevalent amongst the Mexican community, right? Um, and I do enjoy it and I do love it and I do try to like watch it with my son, but it's not, I don't live and die. It's not your passion. It's not. Like the Mexican yeah. national team is different, but like I don't, it's not my passion. It's not like I'm yeah. watch, getting up every weekend to watch Las Chivas play or Cruz Azul or whatever, you know what I'm saying? That's not where my heart lies. Right, yeah. Um, like, and it's that, it's that, that, that desire to assimilate that has created a long lasting impact. And even in the things that I enjoy now as an adult, as a 37 year old man, like I still like, um, don't try not to speak Spanish in my work environments. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still like Mm -hmm. feel this, like, oh, don't let them know who you really are. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's, and it's a weird feeling, um, um what about first time like i experienced that my bad um first time i think i think the first time i experienced that those feelings was here in new york city because i've Mm -hmm. previously lived in um california detroit well kind of detroit but i wasn't there for a little bit so i didn't really experience that um and then you know chicago and illinois um and like california like la um chicago is like you know a lot of mexican people so i didn't really have to struggle with that like oh you know you're speaking spanish outside of your house because everybody was like speaking spanish even like outside so in Chicago is where I spent the most time. And like, it was like, I had no uh, idea. I know yeah. we mentioned in, in passing you living other places, but tell me, tell me about your Chicago experience. Yeah. So like Chicago was wild, man. I think it was during that Chirac era, honestly, <laughs> right before Obama took over like the nation. Uh, listen, uh, it was, that, it was, that era is not over. They're listen, still. Well, yeah. But when it was like, I was a little kid, that was like right. every <laughs> night when I went to sleep, I could hear right. gunshots every night, every mm. night. And then the next day, Somebody was dead on the block, right? I didn't know them because I was a kid. I was going to school. But like my mom or like, you know, my stepdad, they pretty much knew about the people. And they was like, damn, like that person died. I just like, you know, their their parents are like by themselves now. That person died. But anyway, like in Chicago, it was like, it was very different than New York City. Like communities weren't like as mixed as here. So it was like, you know, the black community, the Mexican community, the, the Puerto Rican community, like living side by side. But it was like very like, it was distributed like that because of all the gangs that were around, you know? So it was mm-hmm. like, if you crossed into that territory, it was like, you might get shot even if you're not in a gang, right? So it was Jesus. always like walking around like, oh shit, you know, like, what am I doing, right? And, but I never had really experienced that feeling of like not being able to express myself because mm-hmm. I was within my community, right? right. And then right. once I came to New York City, it's like, you know, people look at you funny if you speak Spanish or, or not even <laughs> if you speak Spanish, if you speak Spanish like a Mexican, 
right? Right. Because right. if you speak Spanish yeah. like a Puerto Rican, Dominican, whatever it is, like people don't look at you funny. They look at you like, oh shit, he's speaking Spanish. Like he sounds cool. But if yeah. you speak like a Mexican, Mexicans have a lot of different accents, but for the most part, it's like very like like direct and we say like the, the words fully, right? Because and it's everybody distinguishable else, like, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like the slang, it's distinguishable. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like being way, like people, you yeah. know, like who we are. Yeah, and we, like, you know, you know it was just like, like, damn, I don't want to, I, I didn't want to see Spanish, not because I was ashamed, but like, right. I didn't want like those like confrontations, right? Because, so, you know, obviously people start problems for anything, especially in New York City, right? So mm-hmm. um, I had seen that happen to other people as I was like going down the street or whatever. And I didn't want that to happen to like me or my, my mom when, I, when we were walking down the street. So mm-hmm. like, she used to think, that I was ashamed of speaking Spanish, but she didn't understand that it was because I was trying to be like protective, right? And I still think she doesn't know because I don't think I've told her, but um, like I think that's why like for the most part, I was like not always like sure of speaking Spanish or like right. you know, letting my identity come out in public because like Mexicans, you know, like I don't think any other Latinos face that's the same, um, I guess, discrimination. Obviously right. everybody faces, you know, similar, but in, in this case, I feel like uh, the Mexican community especially faces a lot of like, you know, backlash for their like cultural identity and all that stuff. Oh, a hundred percent. Even before Trump, even before the era of Trump, where we yeah. were like a whipping post for, for him and his administration, um, the Mexican community has been treated poorly throughout its history here in the United States. I mean, partially, partially because of the proximity, proximity, yeah. you know, because there's, first of all, there, there's so many, so I don't I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but the number of it's 11, 12 million Mexican born or Mexican American people in this yeah. country alone. It's it's staggering. Like there's yeah. so many more the there you have a likelier chance of being a Mexican Latino in this country than any other Latino group. Um, so it's uh, and we're we're skewed here in New York because of the large number of of, of our Dominican brothers and sisters, our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters. Um, but here in New York, we are still less know, than, yeah. you know, we're still less than a smaller number, no yep. political power, no, no strong voting block. When was the last time you saw a Mexican politician representing anybody in New York, right? Like there's a couple in Brooklyn, like my buddy Cesar Suñiga, who's running for, for city council down there in, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Um, but there's no, there is no political power within our demographic or, or rather yeah. our, you know, our and you're right. And it's about that. We we have been discriminated against. We do. There is this notion of 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 us being drunk, you know, lazy people or, or just these drunk people who 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 don't have any culture cultural value to to this country. Right. And it's but like there's a lot of like these things that people don't don't examine or don't stop to think like why are these hardworking men and women drinking themselves silly every weekend? Why? Because they're, they're sad they're they're, or that's their outlet. Yeah. Where, what else are they going to do? Yeah. Right. Like there is nothing else. And, and it's, and it's a, and it's an endemic, it's a, it's a, it's a symptom of an issue that's much deeper and that, uh, that we are not ready to analyze. And it's how we value lower class workers in this country and how we, yeah. how we treat each other, like, oh, I'm fucked up, but I'm not as fucked up as that guy. And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like us, yeah. like there's no like sense of 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 community mm-hmm. of like let's help each other out. Like, yo, I make it a point 
to speak Spanish to everybody that I meet. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying like I'm like this, you know. Are you like, force it on people? No, I'm not. But I'm saying like, right. like uh, you know, I I I want people to to identify with me, right? I I want people to know that I'm from Mexico. I was yeah. Mexican born. I want people to know that that um shit you there you can do other things like you don't need to be boxed in there are these expectations of us as failures right from jump right like right. As, like i have cousins who are and and it's, it's a good segue into our, our, our the next topic that we wanted to talk about like documented and undocumented americans american uh, mexicans mexican born mexicans and mexican americans and the differences because um, everyone thinks, um, particularly in like corporate America and like the different places that we operate in, you at VaynerMedia, me at Yahoo, like they don't know the difference in Latinos, right? They don't know the difference. You're Latino or Latinx and, oh, okay, you're all the same, but we're not the same. Like yeah. some, there are some Latinx Latinos who don't speak Spanish, who only speak English. There's some yeah. Latinx or Latinos or Latinas who are foreign born and then you know, this is their first generation here in the United States. And then there's others who are, you know, American born, but still identify as Latinos. So there's so many different variations, not even taking into account like the different countries we all come from. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I have more, uh, realistically, I have more in common with, with, with our Dominican brothers and sisters because of the, the, the difficulties in achieving legal, legal status in this country, the second class nature to the surrounding countries that they operate in right. um, than we do with Puerto Ricans. And, that, and my wife is Puerto Rican, but we have less more in common with Dominican people than we do with Puerto Ricans. Why? Because Puerto Ricans um, are American citizens. They right. come here, they have more in common with our, their Cubans and brothers and sisters because they, you know, they have an easier and not easy, like it's easy, but it's an easier path to legal status yeah. in this country. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, 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 I guess I, I told you this before we started. Like I've never mentioned this. I've never said this to anybody. But I, I was undocumented way past me graduating college. Right? Um, I was undocumented my entire academic career in this country. Um, I graduated high school in two thousand and one. Um, I had no help, no legal resource to go to college. Forget about going like the dorm situation. Forget like there was just no way that was going to happen because there's no yeah. money. I didn't know about loans. I, there was no financial aid available to me. Um, and when I was when I was graduating, there was still there's still this ongoing debate about whether undocumented people in this country could qualified for um, in in state tuition, right? right, or out of state tuition. So that was still even like I remember my first year at Hunter College. I paid out-of-state tuition because there was still that owing, ongoing, because okay. I, regardless of the fact that I was a New Yorker, regardless of the fact that I like lived my entire life here, um, I was paying out-of-state tuition because of um, the legal, political machinations that were, that went through that. Um, right. uh, and that fucked me up. That, um, the inability to, to focus on school exclusively, the, the, the doubt crept into my mind doubt and yeah. and fear and like fuck itness you know what i mean i was like why the fuck am i going to college if i'm i don't know if i'm going to graduate and have yep. a job yep. you know what i'm saying and that my work suffered i was always smart i was always like always a smart cookie and like 
I, if I applied myself, I, I can, like my senior year of, of, of high school, I had AP physics, AP calculus, AP history, AP English, and nothing else because I was already done with my graduation requirements. And then at some point, I'm like, why am I like, like a couple of weeks into my, my senior seat, my senior year, I was like, why am I busting my ass? Like this ain't going to help me go to, I can't afford going to a out of state college. And like that, that doubt and that, that, that trauma, uh, I allowed it to take over my, my decision-making and I just dropped the classes and I, and I just bullshitted with my friends for senior year. And, um, you know, I, I graduated. I never failed any regions class or any class at all in high school. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that went, that was the decision-making that went in, in my brain. Like, why, yeah. why do I bust my ass? Why yeah. do I bother? I, yeah, I think oh. I had the same feelings. My bad, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I, I wanted to hear about your, your high school experience. Yeah, no, I think I had, I had the same experience, which is kind of like why I failed one regions, but I didn't need it because I had, you know, the two previous requirements. But anyway, you know, I think I experienced the same thing, right? I was taking like the, the honors classes, the AP classes, mm -hmm. and then like my junior, senior year, like, you know, all my friends are going through like, yeah, like, you know, I want to go to BC, Boston College or, you know, Syracuse or whatever. And I know you I, wanted like, to go to Villanova. That was my dream school. That was my dream school. I wanted to go to Villanova. I went on some trips. Um, I don't know if you remember Colin Nahr. Yeah. He's another student. Yeah. He went on a trip with me, Padasaji. He went to, you know, we went, uh, we had a great time there. And I was like, damn, you know, like I'm in love with this place, you know? Right. And then shout out to Jacob. He went to Villanova. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> oh, Mr. Covington, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Covington. Yeah. Um, and, and like, once like I got the acceptance letter from Villanova, I was like super excited, you know, but like it lasted like three seconds. Cause then I was like, fuck, right. I can't even go, you know? And, right. and like all my friends and everybody, like the teachers were asking that like, you know, why, why are you not going, you know, just take out a loan. And I was like, nah, man, you know, I don't like, I, I couldn't tell anyone like, yo, I, I'm, I'm undocumented, I'm right? Undocumented. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I can't do that, right? Like I could have told them, but I didn't feel comfortable, right? So, I mean- Right, and it like, may be, and it may be had you told them there would have been additional resources uh, that they could have found. Yeah. And that, um, I'm not saying that, yeah. that you made the wrong decision because I made the exact same decision you did. Yeah. We both arrived at the same point, you know, 20 years apart. We both made the same dis decision yeah. two decades apart. And that's, that's precisely a problem, right? There's it's no like, change. there's no change. Like the undocumented people in this country are, are carry this trauma, this, this, this lack of self-worth, this lack of this embarrassment, this embarrassment over a, a decision that we did not make. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm not yeah. faulting my mother or, or your mother or anything, right. but it's, we didn't make this decision. Like nobody- yeah, I'm trying to like, make the best out of it, you know? We're trying to make the best and we still yeah. are. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's difficult to, and I'm sorry to cut you off, I'll let you get back, but- no, it's, all good. It's, it's, what I'm saying is, is this, there's a kid right now who is in remote learning at home, um, trying to figure out how they're gonna go to college. Right. And they're reaching that same level of, I don't give a fuckness that we both did yeah. because of that embarrassment of not telling people, yeah, right? yeah. of not telling people your legal status because it's embarrassing. Yeah. I used to remember, I used to fill out forms and I would be like social security number and I would ask my teacher, what do I put? And they were like, just put right. all zeros, all zeros. <laughs> yep. And I, and I, my, my thing was like, oh, I just don't remember it. 
right? I would always say, oh, I don't remember it. No, I knew I didn't have one. I knew like that, that I was, you know what I'm saying? But, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, oh, I just yeah, put yeah. all zeros. <laughs> so it's like That's that, funny. that, yeah, it's the truth. And it's like, I, I did the same thing with you. I went to visit schools and like, yep. but I, I, I didn't even apply. Yeah. I didn't apply because like I had good SAT numbers, yep. uh, good SAT score. I had good grades up until my senior year, but yeah. it just didn't matter. You know what's um, fucked I, up too? Like, what? so when I applied to Villanova and I was talking mm-hmm. to like their, um, one of their, I guess, senior recruiters, you know, um, they were like, yeah, you know, we would love for you to come, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. once I told them like, oh, you know, I, I don't have like, you know, my social, I can't get, I, I can't get uh, like, like student loans or any type of aid. Um, like, is there something you can do to help me out? And they were like, you know, they're like, oh, you know, sorry, if you're not a citizen, there's nothing we can do for you, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's crazy because like whatever type of help they could have given me, they probably gave that help to like an, uh, you know, out of the country student coming from like France or whatever, you know, right. like, it's because yeah. they're bringing in like, you know, other resources. I'm not bringing anything. I'm just bringing myself, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I had the same thing. Um, and I, it's funny, like I did tell one of the teachers at uh, Hayes, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't really like what he did after. He didn't do anything mm-hmm. bad. Um, and this is not like to reflect anything, you know, poorly of Hayes. I think it was just like the relationship I had with him. I feel like he he thought he could make jokes because we were close, but like I like I didn't appreciate the jokes that he made. You know, like I think the day after I got my acceptance from Villanova, I went to class like after school. I think I didn't have practice that day. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I went to him um, and I was like, hey, you know, like I got my acceptance, right? And he was like, oh, but are you even gonna go? Like, can you pay for it? And I was like, bitch, just be excited for me. The fuck? Like just a simple yeah. congratulations. Yeah. And then requires, yeah. I think that same week um, or that same day, I don't know. I was, he left the classroom and um, I just, I was just sitting there, you know, thinking about like, damn, I can't even go, you know? And I just like, I started crying, you know, like I, yeah. I was like, I was, oh. I was emotional. I started crying and then he came back and he was asking me like, you know, like what's going on? What's happened? What happened? Um, and I told him, and then, you know, he was like, he showed support like that, that day. He was very supportive. Um, and he went home and his wife was actually kind of like in the same situation that we were, or like when she was younger, I guess. Um, so mm-hmm. she, he knew that um, she had like experience and he felt guilty because he was like a bit insensitive, um, you know, or whatever. Right. And he told right. me, you know, like, I apologize. Um, if there's anything I can do, you know, let me know. Um, but then because of the relationship that we had, you know, very close, mm-hmm. he started making jokes later on, you know, like we were taking a, a, a final exam, I guess. And then when I was leaving the class, I, I don't know, he gave me something or, you know, like talking about like a green card or whatever. And he wrote on the, on a green card, he wrote green enough card and he gave it to me. And I was like, really, man, like, come on, like, it's and okay for thing, us to man. be closed, but the fuck you're making jokes for, bro? Like, it's this is not, my life. Those are, and, and that's something that I didn't realize too much later on how much it bothered me. Is yeah. those microaggressions, those, yeah. those, those making light of something that literally impacts every single interaction of your life. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, um, like, I guess he didn't understand that I was like going through stuff because I never mm-hmm. really showed it. I was always like, like, so one, someone told me like once, like, it's okay for you to be stoic. But like, you know, like you're human too. But I never thought of myself like as being stoic. I'm like, I'm not being stoic. I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do and tell you? Like, are you going to help me? Are you going to pay for my school? Are you going to do something for me? No. So what's the point of me sharing my stuff 
and you know like just wasting my my breath and my time and, and telling you everything just to get exactly. it off my chest you know I never understood that part um mm -hmm. but then later on I guess you know as you grow up you kind of understand the value of like mental health so like mm -hmm. obviously I, I decided to like open up a little bit and stuff like still not expecting anyone to help me mm -hmm. but you know at least like to let it off my chest and I'm glad and I'm glad like and I'm glad we're both doing this because this this might be the avenue for somebody to listen to this um, and realize that they're, they're just not alone. Like, you know, like people have been going through this and, and I'm glad that the dreamer movement now, uh, and I'm hopeful that this new proposal that Joe Biden and his administration has put forth for uh, this path to legalization does happen. Um, and, and, and finally uh, allows people to feel whole, like to feel like, you know, that they matter, that they count, like their options are larger than what they are. Um, and just to kind of kind of go back to what you were saying about the, the making jokes and making light of it, I didn't, I didn't, it's, it's a consistent thing that like prevents you from sharing with people because for fear of that, that you're the butt of a joke, like it's not a joke. Being undocumented in this country is, is not a joke, but because, but because you, you are not moping around and because we're human, like you said, and we're not all like fucking like, you know, like all sad yeah. all the time. Like we're human too. We're allowed to laugh and smile, but you are not allowed to, to make light or make fun of a situation that impacts people and the yeah. jobs that they can do and the schools that they can attend and, and the places that they can visit. And the, you know, like we can't go, my, my mother, my mother's father died and she couldn't go to Mexico for his burial. Like my mother hasn't been to Mexico 30 years. In 30 years, Damn, right? Man. It's like- Haven't been there in 10 years. Right, it's so it's a rough, rough situation. And I can't bring myself to go knowing that she can't go. And it's, right. and it's difficult and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation and it's, um, it's tough and it impacts everything that we do. I graduated, I'm telling you, I was so fucked up at Hunter that all my grades suffered. I was paying to, to, to go to still feel as if I value, I was, I, you know, I mattered a little bit. Being a college student became part of my identity, right. but I was never taking advantage of the actual school itself. And yeah. I- You didn't have bombed. the time for it. No, I didn't because I was working and I was, yeah. so I bombed out of Hunter and I, eventually like I woke up and I was like oh shit you know regardless of what happens I need to get good grades yeah exactly. and I, I bounced back I, I got off academic probation and I got my grades high enough to be able to transfer to Brooklyn College because I wanted to work in media I wanted to work in sports I wanted I didn't know exactly what um and at first I thought I was going to go into like po politics like at first I thought I was going to work in elections and helping people commercials I had it in my head that I can help somebody like create good, you know, material, whatever. I had good ability to, to, to craft a good message for people. So I went to Brooklyn college. Um, I eventually moved to Brooklyn too. Um, I'm with my wife, who now is my wife and we moved it together in Brooklyn. And, nice. and um, I, I graduated and I still was not, I, I wasn't, I didn't have no paperwork. I graduated right. and the only job that I could get was in a nightclub cleaning bathrooms during the night nice. like so it was not it was that nice you know, that shit fucking sucked because I, nice I was like damn bartender you know you know everybody's having a good time and partying and yeah, i'm there yeah. contemplating yeah. i'm just there, like the damn fuck. bro i gotta go to classroom i'm trying to go to sleep 
I'm like, you know, it's like it was a difficult decision. It was a difficult situation that fucked me up mentally. Then I finally got like, you know, uh, my, my wife was like, yo, we got married and we still didn't have money because the process itself is like fucking four grand, $5,000. And she was like, what the fuck are we waiting for? Like, we, you can't wait to start your life. So we yeah. got married and, and, you know, she's a fucking saint. She, she. Shout out to your wife, man. Shout out to my <laughs> wife for real, because she, um, she got That's a bonus at work. Yep. You know, she got a bonus at work and she used that bonus money to pay for my application to, to get, to get legalized. And I got that and I fucking hit the ground running and I haven't stopped since I, st- I got a job immediately. Like, as soon as I could, I, I was working two, three jobs. And actually, when you met me, I was working at Major League Baseball and I was teaching full time. So I had two full time jobs because I felt this need to like I had to catch up. I had to put myself in a position to make up for the lost time that I that I that I couldn't. You know, I graduated college as a 25 year old when people were graduating at 21. So I always felt like I was behind the ball and like behind the times and stuff. And um and I still feel like that. Like I yeah. still feel this restlessness due to the time lost. Yeah. Um, but anyway, talk, what about you? How, how did, how, uh, talk a little bit about your, um, your legal, legal status and yeah. your graduation and talk about a little bit about your college experience. Um, I, I mean, so thankfully, I mean, obviously I was undocumented throughout school as well. Like, you know, middle school, high school, college, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. Um, but thankfully, I was I had uh, the grades to like be nominated or be selected for different programs. So mm-hmm. that's how, that's kind of how I got to not kind of that's how I got to college. So I think the first I guess uh, program that I did for like you know after school or whatever was called uh, Liberty Leeds at Bank Street College of Education on the West Side. I think it was like 112 Broadway. Um, you know that, that's where I started at first, and then my sophomore year I think I applied to this other program called. Uh, the Opportunity Network, and they're okay. you know they're down in uh, I guess downtown financial district, um, and th- and is that still? I'm sorry, not to interrupt you. Is that still like it's that still a program that's going on to this day? Yeah, that, that's that's still going on. It's a six year program, um, okay. potentially seven if you like sign up for their prep, like which is like in, in middle school, I think. I don't know, mm-hmm. but you know the the program itself is six years, um, and you know they start you off with like uh, like different types of trainings, like uh, you know professional etiquette, like email etiquette, all those things that you don't really get exposed to as like a minority in, in New York City. Um, so we start with that. And then obviously you have different trainings throughout the year, throughout the summer, throughout winter, you have workshops and all that stuff. Um, and then when it came time for me to graduate from high school, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Like I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, do I'm, am I going to go to like, you know, nowhere? Am I going to start working? What am I going to do? Right. And I think um, I had the support from them in the way that they kind of told me like, well, you know, you can still apply to CUNYs, right? And I had no clue about CUNYs because like I had the grades to go to like private schools. So I was looking at private schools, even though in my head I was like, damn, I'm probably not going to go there. But I had no other, I I didn't know about schools. Um, But, you know, they they introduced me to SUNYs, to CUNYs. um, And I ended up applying to Queens College, which I, I think was like a pretty good decision for me to like apply there and decide to go there once they accepted me. Um, so what they did, they started a program, I guess they had multiple undocumented students, they started a program uh, where they gave full tuition for anyone who was undocumented going to CUNY schools. Um, wow. I don't know about SUNY, but for CUNY, um, within my class, 
I think there was like two other students who also had the the same. Oh, sorry, there's a siren behind me. You're um, good. There's two Speak other up, baby. There's always <laughs> sirens everywhere. There's, a, there's two other kids, and they started that program. I think that year because I guess we were like the most undocumented class. I don't know, but mm. you know they paid for my full tuition throughout the four years wow. of college. They started paying also like the first two semesters. I think paying for my books and stuff, but I guess it got too expensive. So they were like, "Hey, we'll take care of your tuition and your transportation, um, right. but." You're gonna have to buy your own books. And I was like, that's cool. You know, I got it. Um, but the thing is that I was able to do that because they also have like a lot of relationships with like corp like corporations or like private companies, right. nonprofits. Right. So I was able to intern through them. Um, and the way that I got paid was through them too, because I couldn't get paid like directly. So right. they were the ones paying me to intern. Um, so that came wow. in clutch, you know, like every summer, every time I had like, you know, some break. So I was interning for like four years. I actually interned with uh with George and and um and and Alex at About You. Oh, so yeah. George George Lenisi, who was also yeah. a former former teacher at Cardinal mm -hmm. Hayes, and um Alex Combs, who's yep. uh, who I've known for fifteen years. He's uh he's a fantastic. Uh, he used to be a, the my son's Pee Wee football coach, and um, very very smart man, very knowledgeable. Um, shout out Harlem Jets. Harlem Jets. Shout out the Harlem Jets. He's a, he was a physical therapist, and they got together um, yeah. to create this 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 academic athletic kind of hybrid uh, institution called About You, and they train mm -hmm. um, kids uh, how to take the SAT and how to succeed academically yeah. uh, using athletics as their basis and as their end goal. So yeah, definitely shout out shout out to you, um, shout out to them and you. But anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's like it's like I think it goes to show like you mentioned earlier, um, what you appreciate the most from your time at Hayes is the relationships you built. And yeah. if you look at about you, like everyone working for about you right now was a Hayes student, you know, like right. people from like a class above me, people from my class, people below me, like they're all working there because of those relationships. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, I was interning with them. And then I think when it came to so like I always had things going on at home, right? Like, you know, my, my parents, whatever. So I was always going through that um, and it kind of did distract me a little bit from school, but I, I think I had at least the security that I was going to be able to pay for school that right. it allowed me a little bit to like um, focus on academics, but then obviously other things happen, right? So um, I think my senior year, right before my senior year started, um, I had to start working. So I got a job as a bartender. Um, and I actually started working first. Um, I moved, so I moved out of my, my apartment for a, for a minute, my mom too. Um, and I was living with some friends. She was living in a shelter, you know, like a whole other story we can talk about later. Um, That's definitely but, uh, episode two material. Anyway. Yeah, I was, I, I had to find a place for her to stay with my, my dog. Um, and I ended up staying with a few friends down in a financial district, you know, and, uh, you know, oddly enough, they were also immigrants, but mm -hmm. um, they came from India, right? So it's like a whole other different dynamic. Um, but they were, you know, they, I said, hey, man, you know, I'm going through some stuff. Is there like a chance that I could stay with you for a few months and then, you know, see what happens, right? So uh, it was like four of us in one apartment, like, you know, sharing like a couch. The two, two of them had their bedrooms, but we had to share like a couch. And um, I started working with one of them as a referee at this place called uh, Downtown Soccer League. So right. that's where you wanted me to take my son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the, the guy in charge there, you know, amazing, amazing guy. Like he really held it down for me a lot of, you know, a lot of times actually for like two years, he helped me down, like giving me jobs. His name is uh, Manny. He's an old dude now. He's like 80 something. He's from, he's a, he's an immigrant as well. Came from, mm -hmm. uh, I think from 
the Philippines, but he's like Portuguese Filipino. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, he held me down for like a few a few months giving me like jobs on the weekdays on the weekends and I was just repping right. from like 8 a.m to 8 at night you know like just all day then going to school right but then eventually I I, um, I was trying to find a, a more stable job so I found this uh, you know this bartending job and I was just like you know working there like going to school during the day or at night and then when I wasn't in school or working I was like just sleeping right or on the train like for like a whole year I lived on the train i would just come home to sleep for like a few hours then go to work yeah. or go to school right so um it was rough um but i think in that time i really learned like how dependable i can be for myself and like for my mom because obviously you know i could have been like shit you know like i gotta drop out but i didn't you know i kept going to school and if you drop out it's fine you know like everybody's different right what i could handle somebody else can't handle what i someone else can handle i can't handle right, right? so it just depends um but yeah i graduated working I guess until COVID hit. Um, and then thankfully I was able to save enough money to like kind of like go by. Um, but still, you know, like I had some help from from my uncle who lived in New Jersey, but I, I rarely saw, saw him. I think I saw him maybe like once every like four or five years, you know? Um, and yeah, he just helped us, helped us out a little bit. And then um, I did a few other programs after I graduated from college to like kind of stay abreast and like kind of, um, you know, like because mm -hmm. everybody here is like if you have an empty space in your resume it's like what are you doing right and right. even though it's COVID like people were kind of understanding I was still like I don't want to take that chance so I did a few trainings for data analytics um, and eventually I was able to land a role here at VaynerMedia I started um, last month I'm in their resident program so at the end of those three months um, of the residency they're going to be like hey you know like we're going to evaluate you see if you fit in see if you performed well and hopefully I'll get that full-time job at Vayner. It's been pretty now, cool so far. It's been stressful. But it's been now, before cool. before we continue on this conversation, because I definitely want to hear about your job at Vayner Media, yeah. I want to circle back a little bit about to with the with the professional network. Like mm -hmm. if people want to want to um, look them up or or see what they're about, where can they find information about the professional network? Uh, the opportunity network. I'm sorry, the Opportunity Network, yes. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity no, I mean, Network. Obviously, you can go to theopportunitynetwork.com. Um, mm -hmm. There they have all their applications, all their resources. If you want to partner up with them, um, if you want to be a mentor, a sponsor, whatever, they have all the information on their website. They're really, really great people. Um, I, I graduated from the program last year, I guess, when I graduated from college, but I still keep in touch with a lot of them. And a lot of them, or especially, specifically one of them, uh, shout out to you, Ray, if you're watching this, I don't know. Um, he helped me out with like my resume and like, you know, prepping for interviews and networking and just sending my resume to people connecting me. Um, so they're really, really a, a good resource. Um, that's one of them. Another program that I was part of is called Co-op Careers, C-O-O-P, Careers. Um, that's where I did the data analytics training. Um, and basically, you know, they, they provide those type of trainings for underrepresented students in the city, right? So they have digital marketing, um, tech sales, data analytics, right? Um, and they also have a lot of connections with different um, companies. That's kind of how I got connected to Vayner um, through their connection. And then there's this other program. This is more like legal stuff, I guess, if you're trying to like get your situation right. It's called Sanctuary for Families. Um, Sanctuary? Have, yeah, Sanctuary for Families. They have mm -hmm. offices in the Bronx and, and financial district as well. I don't know if they have in Brooklyn or Queens, but I know of those two locations. Right. Um, and oh, there's also this other place called The Door. <laughs> so those are all places that kind of have helped me out, um, you know, right. throughout my time. 
And thankfully now I'm closer to getting like my green card. I have my work permit, I have my social. Um, and I think I'm a little bit closer to getting my green card thanks to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I was That's lucky amazing. enough we'll, we'll, to make those connections. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. We'll definitely try do our best to, to um, put the links in the descriptions to, to all these amazing resources that, that helped Eduardo out um, so that if you are in a similar situation and you're looking for information, um, just know that there are opportunities out there. Um, there are good people um, who understand and who are looking to help um, yeah. some of the places that you listed, the Opportunity Network, Co-op Careers, uh, Sanctuary for Families. Um, and what was the last one you mentioned? The Door. The Door, right. Yeah. So definitely look those up, whether it's in Google. Um, we'll try to post those links um, to their websites in the description mm -hmm. um, for this podcast. Um, but yeah, no, tell me a little bit about, um, as we're getting close to, to the end of the episode, I definitely want to hear a little bit about your work at VaynerMedia. Uh, I mean, I took the position as a data analyst. Um, so for, for I'm sorry, for people yeah. who are not aware, VaynerMedia is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, media corporation. Um, mm -hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk is a very successful uh, businessman who has his hand in a whole bunch of different... Um, also an immigrant. Also an immigrant, uh, a big time Jets fan. He, uh, he, Nick he, Nick's fan too. He has a talent rep agency. He has a media company. He um, creates these, this just amazing content that's inspirational and motivational on a variety of different topics. He is incredibly well known by almost everyone in the media industry and in the athletic industry. Um, I mean, hopefully he buys the Jets at one point in his life because I know he will. Uh, he will. Uh, you probably be, try. He'll be good for us because I know he's mentioned it a couple of times about wanting to buy the Jets. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's there quite yet financially, but I'm hoping in the future he will. But anyway, yes, uh, that's his company, uh, VaynerMedia. Yeah. I actually met him like two weeks ago, I think. That's so dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is so dope um that's so dope anyway but yes tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day -day work and what is being uh, uh you know in the data analytics program or honestly i don't even have no idea what you do so and so, educate me yeah so i um i applied for the like media buying residency program so right now i'm working as a media buying media analyst on the buying side of the one of their businesses which is um e-commerce mm -hmm. And on the e-commerce, it's pretty much like handling platforms. So uh, I don't know if I can say the names of the companies we work don't, with. Don't, don't get in trouble. Just <laughs> so, so what company we do is like, what I do, I guess, on, on a daily basis is like, you know, handle like platforms like Amazon, Instacart, all those like shopping um, e-commerce platforms. And I do like pacing for their brands. Um, I do like, uh, I guess, I pull reports basically to see the performance of different products or different ads and whatever. I don't know if I'm good at it, but I'm still here. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, I decided to take it because I want to get like more of a foundation into data analytics. And I feel like media buying has a lot of those aspects, right? You're analyzing data to see what consumers are looking up, what products are being successful. Um, and eventually, I think what I want to do um, is moving to data analytics because I want to get into like data automation, even though that's a little bit more of like software engineering. I am thinking a little bit of like maybe going back to school or like taking some courses and um, like getting more involved with that software development side. Um, but at the same time, I also was thinking about law school because I kind of like that too. But I think for me, the most realistic thing right now would be data analytics and then later on see what happens. Um, but I mean, it's been pretty cool, you know, 
Gary is like a super involved person in, in his company. So I've actually heard him speak live a couple of times. That's I met amazing. with him two weeks ago. And right. yesterday he actually, they have like a series um, like every day or every week, like uh, or like at one thirty in the afternoon for like everybody to take a break if you want to. And he has mm -hmm. like different, um, different invitees, I guess. And he's hosting, he's asking questions. So yesterday he actually had a Novak Djokovic the yeah, tennis, the player. tennis player. Yeah. yeah, I saw that in your. Uh, yeah. I saw that in your yeah, IG. That, I, was I was like, like what the. Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's he has so many connections and and he tries to like make it an enjoyable place for his employees. So definitely super cool. Um, I think it's. I mean, that, obviously, it's the coolest place I've worked at. You know, like, um, and at that scale of so many employees, right? Everybody trying to be like caring for each other and supportive. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty cool place. Um, I hope I get that full time at the end. So hey, Gary, yeah. you watching this man? Pay me the big bucks, man. Exactly, man. Absolutely. And um, uh, before we wrap up the episode, there's two things I want to mention. Number one um, is that I am incredibly proud of you, um, despite the fact that you and I are in, were in the similar situation. Despite the fact that I was your teacher, right? Um, I guess I was not aware. Um, and maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have done more for you back in the day. I don't um, think I told you. I think when I kind right. of like hinted at it, I was like joking. So I don't think right. you fully believe. Right. No, but it's like, but it's, it's, and, and that's, that's the thing that I, I, I'm trying to get better at in terms of, and that's the thing that a lot of people should take into consideration. We, we as, as individuals, right. We, we are so wrapped up in our own day-to-day -day struggles right in our in our own whatever that may be whatever those struggles may be we are so wrapped up in in trying to provide for our families in trying to pro, you know be good boyfriends and husbands and and wives and and that we we become blind to other people and we become blind to what other people are, might be experiencing at the time and that's right. kind of what happened like i Yes, I can tell you that I was sleeping an hour and a half every day because I work, you know, I I two full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could tell you that I was sleeping in between classes and my down periods in the underneath my desk in the, remember, in the media man. room. <laughs> so it's, but that still doesn't excuse the fact that you and I were both. And if anybody would have understood what you were going through, it, it should have been me. Right. I should have been more of a support for you. I should have been more of a, like a motivating factor. I should have been more, um, I should have just done more. Um, I think you were definitely like a motivation to me, maybe not directly because you didn't know right. like what I was going through, but I was looking right. at you and I'm like, damn, this, this guy came from like the same shit that I did. You know, like he has right. two kids now, he has a wife. He's right. like, obviously he's struggling, but I, you were enjoying what you were doing. Like it was right. your choice to do it, right? So right. I was like, damn, I'm trying to be like him, you know? And like, now right. here we are, like I'm in media. I never thought I would be in media, but <laughs> right. um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, absolutely. And um, that was the one thing I wanted to say. The other thing I wanted to say is that I, I am now trying to pay back a little bit of, of um, certainly this podcast I, that we are embarking on, um, Clashing Identidades podcast, um, we, we hope, even if it, one person listens to it and they get something out of it or a resource, that's enough, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to pay back a little bit of, of uh, kind of talking a little bit more about my experience because it's important. I am, um, I'm mentoring, I'm, I'm mentoring, not mentoring, I'm tutoring, tutoring oh, some high school students. Um, there's a, a, a wonderful gentleman, a community organizer in, in Spanish Harlem by the name of Angelo Cabrera. 
who um, who is is an uh, academic through and through about the Mexican experience here in New York. Mm -hmm. um, he works for Esperanza Preparatory Academy. That's on 109th Street and Second Avenue, yep. and he is their uh, high school program director. So he, if you anybody is looking to to give back to the community, give back to people who who are in need, particularly people who are bilingual who speak English and Spanish, um, mm -hmm. look up Angelo Cabrera on on Facebook and he on, on Twitter, and he he's always looking for volunteers and looking for for mentees. Nice. Um, so that's a, a wonderful opportunity for anybody who's looking to give back. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I also, I'm always, I tell you, I'm always looking for like people who are like us in New York and Mexicans who are doing a good job. And I, I want to take 30 seconds to shout out Maria Inojosa, who's a, who's an award-winning journalist, um, um, Mexican born. She actually grew up in Chicago. Um, nice. but the majority of her, the majority of her career has been in New York. Her office is in Harlem. She runs uh, Futuro Media. They do a whole bunch of podcasts, and she's like Emmy Award winning, fantastic journalist. I'm reading. I'm actually reading her book right now. It's called like, um, Once I Was You, and it talks a little bit about what this podcast is about. It's about your identity, um, and it's a memoir of love and hate in a torn America. And it's about who we are as people how we are treated, how we see ourselves and how those things all play a role in, in what we do with our lives and what we become and who we marry and who we, how we raise our children. Um, and it's important. It's a great book. Um, I'm almost done with it and it's like fantastic. And, I, and once I'm finishing with it, I'm going to send it over to you so you can read it because I think you'll be getting a lot out of it. Like, um, so yeah, Maria Inojosa, Once I Was You, fantastic book. Um, and we'll try to like recommend some things from time to time. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely look for resources for you guys or for anybody who's listening to try to try to find um, additional help. Um, but Eduardo, this uh, this was therapeutic. This was fun just talking to you, yeah. um, shooting the shit a little bit. I thought um, it was a struggle, but no, it just came naturally. No, man, you're you're fucking you're the man, man. You are you're an inspiration, bro. You are you truly are. You are fighting and you are raging and you are kicking ass and you are not waiting for the world to hand you an opportunity. You are going out there and you're looking for it and you are succeeding. And whether it's at VaynerMedia or wherever other company um, decides to take a chance on a hardworking Mexican from New York, um, I know you, I have no doubt that you will be a success. And in 10 years from now, okay? 10 years from now, Damn. you and I, 10 years from now, you and I mm -hmm. are going to fund a scholarship for Mexican students at Cardinal Hayes. Um, nice. You and I, we are going to, um, we are going to fund a scholarship. We're going to pay somebody's tuition, a Mexican born or Mexican American student that goes to Hayes will be the recipient of the Eduardo Solis whatever fund or however, whatever the fuck we call it. But anyway, I'm giving our, I'm giving us 10 years. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, so, you gotta give me 20, man. I just started. No, 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 no. 10 years, 10 years. You'll <laughs> be fine right. in 10 years. The tuition is right. only like eight grand. That's right $4,000 a year. That's true right now. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done. And we'll, we'll. Uh, it was like we'll, 7,000 when I was in there, man. It started at six. It capped at like seven something. Yeah. I mean, even but, if it's 10. But, but shout out to Hayes. They also gave me a scholarship. So I paid like, Maybe a hundred dollars a month. Right. Shout and I feel like Hayes. everybody at Hayes had a scholarship, some type of scholarship. Some, so nobody was I mean, paying they, full tuition. 
they do a good job. They have a yeah. great endowment and they don't keep it. They fucking give it to their students. And they and and I know some people have like a love hate relationship with Hayes because of the like the the, the strictness and the politics yeah. and all this other stuff. But, but I never understood like if like why do you have a problem with like it's the rules, bro? Like if you gotta cut your hair, cut your hair. Now it changed. Now they have like more because of the laws, right? The laws the laws changed, so now they don't do that, right? But before it's right. like it's not a big deal, bro. Just cut your hair and shave. Like right, you, right, right, you're right, like right. coming to a respectable institution, not like. I'm not saying that it's not, it's it's like bad to have a beard to have long hair, but if you're here for the rules to get this level of education, which is like above and beyond the level you will get at a high like a public high school, like right. take advantage of it and stop complaining. You know, and that's uh-huh. my take. That's my take. But 100%. um, yeah, I mean, I just it is what it is, man. I had a great it time is, there. You know, it is what it is. Uh, so did we. So did I. Um, I had a great time there. I, I again, I can't speak highly enough, and to this day, to this day. I see anything on Hayes and I, and I fucking rep it. Like, yeah, I graduated from there. Even though I did. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I love the school. I love the people who are there. There's so many people like coach Joseph, you know, yeah. like coach, coach Earl, like all these people who are like, just dedicated. Yeah. They're dedicated. They don't like, yeah. you know, they're dedicated. They're dedicated to building men. And that's what that school does. It's, 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 it's cool for me like seeing like the next generation take over like you know obviously you mentioned coach joe and like earl and well yeah. earl is a newer like you mentioned coach joe like and if you, if you think about his generation like um, rickard was like his generation coach right. uh Tur- turnbull is his generation right and now Shout it's like sean. yeah sean now, it's sean, Tom, now it's sean like i forgot the other people but sean mm-hmm. is in there now um and it's just like it's cool to see like new generations of hazemen take over like for sure doing those things for their own like like your fellow Hazeman. All right, brother. Uh, thank you very much for um, being my co-host and for for this project um, that you kind of pushed and spearheaded. And I'm glad to see it to fruition. Um, once again, you've been listening to the Clashing Even Throughout This Podcast. Um, this is your co-host, Carlos Guevara, um, with Eduardo Solis. Um, we will be trying to do this on a semi-regular basis. Um, again, talking about our experiences, looking for resources, looking for for anything that could help um you know people who've been in our situation um once again thank you very much for listening uh we'll see you in the next episode